Hey y'all, my name is Frank Rivera and welcome back to a very special episode of Frank and Soul. So I'm very excited to be releasing this episode to y'all today because I get the honor of introducing y'all to a great friend of mine. So I recorded this episode with Jess, as I'm sure you can tell from the title. Jess is a student at Texas A&M and she's studying neuroscience. And I met Jess in high school when we were in biology class together. And ever since then, we've gotten so much closer. I love, love, love her vibe. It being in her presence is so calming and so peaceful because it really does feel like you're being heard. And I think that's, you know, partly because she's a cancer and partly because I'm a cancer rising. But yeah, uh, she just kind of gets it. And it's a very soothing time whenever I'm with her. Initially, we were like, okay, you know, we're going to talk about youth and what it's like to be young in this world. And we did, but we kind of did, you know, go into what's been going on recently and just some other places you know we talked a little bit about uh, neuroscience and biology and the scientific aspect of things and I really really appreciate getting her perspective on this sort of stuff because I just never would think about it in the same way that she does and I guess that's the whole point of what this is I mean it is the whole point because sometimes you know your conversations go in a different direction but there were such gems of truth and wisdom that I feel like she gave me in this um, discussion and I really appreciate her for that. So I guess without further ado, that being said, I will let y'all get into the episode and I will talk to y'all at the end with some messages. Thank you for joining me today, Jess. Thank you for having me here. It's been a minute. I'm excited to talk to you. That minute. But <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like, because, you know, we always have these, like, discussions about these sorts of things. Like, I remember when we were sitting at La Santera and you were like, meditation and, like, en- like enlightenment and spirituality, like, that's a privilege. And I was like, yeah. this girl knows. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like our conversations are very organic. I think I like how they start from like a very genuine place and then they branch out into this. Yeah, it's beautiful. But so today the topic that we kind of are like centering around is like youth and, you know, the vitality and how entering adulthood and all of these sorts of things. And I think that that's, um, it's definitely a more like, like practical or applicable um like shade of I think uh like spirituality or um lifestyle and what is it called like is it like spiritual well-being you know that whole sort of vibe of things that we're like um Yeah, yeah into and yeah it's just especially with everything that's like going on I mean it's in a weird way it's like it feels like we literally walked through a portal And like, I feel not like, in that world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about how I feel like I have done a lot more things with conviction. Mm-hmm. I've just been able to take a lot more responsibility for things. And it almost is to the point where like, I feel my time in high school, I couldn't make certain decisions. Like, I feel like if I look back on the last year of my life, there's like substantial things that I did for myself. Mm-hmm. And not saying that in high school I was just like this little baby that was going through the motions but in some aspect I feel like high school wasn't real like I feel like it's not yeah like I'll be looking at like 
either maybe pictures of myself or like things that I wrote or things that I said like in my diary or something and I'm like I don't feel like I really identify with that person yeah um and I think that's actually a really good thing for you know to go at first I was like oh this is terrifying like yeah what is going on here like I feel in a way I was like is the memory still there and Mm -hmm. it is but it's just that when you stop identifying with the past in a way you access so much that power of the present moment you know Mm -hmm. one thing that I've been kind of navigating and exploring Mm -hmm. is solitude like being able to spend time with yourself go off you go off and then I'll tell you why (laughs) um I have had the most interesting relationship with solitude. I think I used to not be able to spend time with myself at all. I used to always like, whether it be go getting groceries or getting coffee or something, I always wanted to see who wants to go with me. Does anybody want to go with me? Who wants to go? And even like spending time with myself in my apartment, I really had to like come face to face with it because I live by myself and I live in this wonderful, wonderful apartment. And I've gotten really, really good at spending time with myself. And I feel like that's really helped me grow up because for the rest of my, I can, like, this is such an important relationship Mm -hmm. to have with yourself, you know? 100%. I think you can relate to me on this, but I realized that now that I'm experiencing like genuine solitude, I'm so worried about my mom and both of our moms don't work, like have I don't want to say they don't have careers. Right, but but they don't, like, go to a job every day. Yes, and I I found, like, I would be so, so worried about my mom, and I would think, like, I need to go home and visit her, like, that kind of thing. But I've been reading articles and kind of, like, discussion boards about how this one thing, like, this one girl talked about how she was really worried about her mom, and she was about to graduate, and how it was a very exciting time for her, but she couldn't be happy because she was so worried about her mom, And this one other girl responded and was just like, I found peace knowing that my parents have spent their entire lives, like, I have only been in their lives for a fraction, you know, and they spent their entire lives alone. So they're blowing my mind open right now. I I just, I, (laughs) it just makes so much sense. And another thing the girl was saying was like, I'm nervous because my family, for example, they make 50K a year and my dad's offering to pay for my school, but I know he doesn't have the money to. And the girl responded and said, your parents are like 60 years old and they've been making 50K for so many years that they know how to live within that means and they can provide for you, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're the one that's 20 years old and you don't know a bunch of this stuff. And like, just because you don't know what it's like to live alone doesn't mean that they don't know what it's like. Like your parents are very familiar with that. And like, that brought me so much peace, you know? That is crazy. Because your parents were people before you, as crazy as that sounds. And in a weird way, yeah, we do sort of have this, I guess you could call it a delusion that the world only started the minute we were born. Yeah. In a way, it's difficult to think of these entire what I think it's called Sonder that realization that other people's lives are just as infinitely complex as yours are and a lot of the times we exclude our parents from that yes and maybe that's because they're I mean um there are these foreign people like we're like background (laughs) characters like you know how it's like oh like they sup in a weird way like it is selfish we go oh they supplement our life but you're completely right. Um, 
they, they, they have lived an entire complete complex life of their own yes. or, and that's a way when, whenever you started talking about solitude, I was, my mind was going in another direction, but that is a crazy one as well. Yeah. Um, the reason that I was like, I can't believe you brought up that specific word is just the other day I read this book called the way of the heart and it's a, it's really short. It's like 95 pages and it's a Christian book, but it's a lot more on the like spiritual side with prayer and things like that. And it outlines these three sort of themes or ideas that can make your um, prayer life or your, you know, your praying habits more successful. And the first one is solitude. Mm. And like, it's like one third of the book basically is devoted to this idea of solitude. And I think the reason, and it talks about this in the book, and I, I agree with this as well. The reason why solitude is so hard for us is because we're afraid to be alone with ourselves. Mm because then you have to confront these sort of darknesses that you sweep under the rug or something. And it's like, when you start to face them and when you start to say, you know, maybe it's um, anxieties or fears or insecurities that you have and you start to let them go and release them in a certain way, it's like I was telling you about that certain person who likes to be in pain. Well, we all sort of do in that way. Like we all sort of like to be in pain. And so we hold on to those by refusing to deal with them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think a lot of people are scared to be alone. And that's why they're always like with other people or like doing stuff or like trying to distract yourself. But I feel like you can only go so long with kind of distracting yourself and it's just like do yourself a favor and take responsibility for something and like like not to be dramatic or anything but really after I established and improved my relationship with myself mm. and my time spent alone mm. I felt so much more comfortable like because I really was scared to be alone and it's like you can't live in that kind of fear where you are always seeking out to do stuff with other people, you know? Right. Or even distracting your own mind. Like, mm. like uh, that's another thing that this book, The Power of Now, that I'm- Oh, Eckhart Tolle? Yes, yes, have you read it? I'm reading, um, what's the other one? Uh, the Awaken? The Awaken, or... mm, I don't know, I don't know. You probably know it. The orange one. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I you, when we went to, like, when we got together that one day, you had it, I don't know. A new earth. The new, that's, yeah. New earth. That one's really and, Oh, we can have a whole little bit about Eckhart Tolle here in a second. But that's something, oh, I forgot what we, I <laughs> forgot where I was going with that. Um, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> How do you feel about Eckhart Tolle, though? Um, I think I saw him, I, I saw the book on someone's Instagram story, I think. Okay. And it's one of the books, I'm, I've only read A New Earth, but it's it was a book that I didn't read like start to finish, like that was the book I read. It was more like I read it piece by piece. Yes. Um, I think it's also a book that, I think I saw him do an interview and he was saying like, it's one of those books that you can read like, 
front, back, you can read in the middle. And like mm -hmm. every time you read it, you're going to learn something new. And he was like, you should feel that way because as you read it, you're going to take like tools with you mm -hmm. and you're going to experience life. And then once you come back and read another part of it, you're going to be like, this completely applies to me differently now, because now that I've lived this experience with this value in mind, now it's like, you can add on another filter or another layer. Yeah, it's like we're constantly evolving into a higher conscious, uh, a more conscious version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so then when we come across these truths, it's more meaningful, it's more impactful, or maybe even more useful. The one thing that I all like, I there's one little thing that I don't love about Eckhart Tolle, and that's that he kind of comes across as a dick. Sometimes. Can we talk about that? Can we? I would love to because there's this kind of like yes. not stigma, but like it, people kind of get defensive when you come for these spiritual authors, and it's like no, they are people. They're not gods. Yes, and. I was just about to say, there's this book, um, and it's all over Ur Urban Outfitters, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Um, it's that red cover, you know? Flatters and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I finally was like, I'm going to read this book. And I did. And I read it within like a week, you know? And it was an okay book. And it was just about like, a, like tackling things in life. And he opens up the book saying that not giving a fuck isn't like, oh, I don't care. Like, I don't care what you have to say. Not giving a fuck is not giving a fuck what other people think about caring so much. So the example that he says is like, if someone steals $200 for my mom, I'm going to be in the mindset that's like, I don't give a fuck what you have to say, but you're going to give my mom those $200 back because I don't care what you like those repercussions. Right. But a lot of the, I want to say there was probably 30% of the book that was actually good. And then mm -hmm. the other was not yeah. good at all because I would be reading it and I would kind of like grimace because I'm like what makes you qualified to say this like thank like who are you to say this you right. know and that's how I felt there was because I think when we and you know when where we went to high school and the you know sort of teaching that we got in regards to that is to always be a little bit critical honestly you have to be critical and you have to say do I agree with this necessarily because if you just read a book and all of a sudden everything within that book is incorporated into your schema, then you're a sheep. Yeah. You're a sheep. You're being herded. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Eckhart Tolle does the same thing. He says, um, it's very common to be living in your pain body. That's what he calls it. Like your pain body, the part of you that gravitates towards pain or that, um, you know, lives in the past or the future and as such is affected by pain. He says that, often comes out when women are about to undergo menstruation. Because <laughs> you've had a period before. No, and I'm like, who are you? Where is your credentials? Where is your standing to be talking about? You're a, literally a man. Yeah, like you will never and have never menstruated. No, like, and if, and if it's not like you need to have some sort of academic or intelligent sort of perspective to talk about that but it needs to be personal to you yeah. I would never go out and say oh you know um some this such and such and such about periods <laughs> I've never lived that yes exactly it, it yeah I truly and then and then I feel like this could actually you know tie back into our whole youth thing is mm -hmm. he a little bit in a way demonizes momentary pleasures which mm -hmm. I feel like goes against 
the power of now. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he talks in a bad way about sex and drugs and food and these things. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I think, I know I'm not going to get like the terminology right in this, but I think a lot of the times in like spiritual teaching, it's always like longevity and trying to like reduce suffering for like a long period and like learn, but like, there's such a, like to get to that point, you need to learn, you know, and how do you learn? You go through experiences and me as a 19 year old girl, I'm not going to be able to reduce suffering and, you know, check all these spiritual boxes on how to live my best life, you know? Like, 100%. And I think that's ultimately what youth is about. It's about that period of time where you're supposed to fuck up and you're supposed to go through these experiences that teach you because it, life isn't one of those things that you can read about in a book and say, oh, well, I don't have to um, go through that experience because I've already learned about it because I read about it. No, like it's very, I mean, I, literally life is meant to be experienced. That's the human yeah. I'm thinking of, I, I can't help but not bring this up, how in the Amish community, once you turn, what is it, like 16 or 18? Right. And what is it called? I want to say it's called like Riemann Schnapp. Yeah, it's, I, I, wait, it's like Rumspringa or something yes. like something <laughs> thinking like that. Of that. I learned about that and um, I had Coach Cherry for my, what class did I take from him? Sociology. I took sociology from me, him. Me too. And... He actually requested me on Facebook two days ago. I have, oh, have you seen? He's been sparking insane commentary yeah. in his comments. And I, I'm, that's how you use your platform. Absolutely. Oh, and I love that in his bio, he's just like, oh, I've had the pleasure of teaching young humans for like 29 years or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, I think that I love teachers. I love, you know this. Absolutely. I love teachers. That's what brought us together. That's where we met was biology class. No. What does, I mean, and I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, so no need for it to be like perfect and flawless and yeah. complete or anything. But is there, what does, like in terms of development and, you know, neurologically speaking, mm -hmm. what does that all say about youth and this whole idea of develop? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, our brains develop way until, like, like we say that we're mature, what, whenever we're, like, 18, but mm -hmm. we are always changing, you know? Right. And I see development so differently from a neurological standpoint because mm -hmm. there's so many neural pathways that can be, like, strengthened, you know? Right, I right. have a book on oligodendrites right here it's called the other brain <laughs> oh my god who's the author just so people at home can this is um by r douglas field he's a phd and um it talks about dementia and schizophrenia and i got this from half price books um I love so it. it talks about like drugs and mar like marijuana which is yes. very important you know um but i don't know i think what do i want to say here i want to say like like we're always changing, right. you know, we yeah. really are. And it's not even just like in this like lifestyle, like mm -hmm. that kind of sense we're changing, but like our brains are always, always changing, you know? And like, yeah. there's times in which our brains are like super overactive and maybe in your entire 
lifespan, there's going to be like three years where you have to be on anxiety meds. And like, that is absolutely okay. It's not going to change the chemistry of your brain. If anything, if your brain is overactive and it's affecting your daily life, then take those meds to like regulate that out so you can spend the rest of your life happy. You right. know? So life in a way, it's like that sort of idea of like catch it early, you know, before you know, maybe if you don't start taking those meds in at the beginning of those three years, mm-hmm. then it, it, the problem continues to grow. You know what I mean? Yes. And there's definitely, and I'm sure, I mean, you like have, you know, I'm sure you're aware of this as well, but there's such a huge stigma around getting help for those things. Absolutely. And it's like, I don't even know, to be honest, I don't even know where that came from. I know. I think, I actually wrote whatever my, whatever UT denied me for the second time. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote about how, because one of the essays is like your issue of importance. And my issue of importance was how in Japan, there's like, they keep this facade of like being this perfect, wonderful country that's like squeaky clean. But their dirtiest truth is the fact that they do not fund neuroscience and mental health research, you know? Mm. And I was saying like, as someone that would graduate from UT with neuroscience, I would try and be like um, a face of change because I would be like that Asian American that is trying to advocate for that kind of stuff. Um, But Japan has such high suicide rates and Japan also has that workaholic culture. You know, Mm. you've seen those videos of people like shoved in the trains. Yes, Um, yes. And there was this one story about this guy. It was like the typical Japanese salary man and he was like 23 years old and he had to get this project done by this deadline and he stayed at work until like 4 Mm a.m and then he fell asleep at his desk and then um he didn't like call his dad back because his dad was like worried about him and then he jumped off the building like jumped out of the building and killed himself and it's Mm -hmm. like if that isn't like your citizens are killing themselves because of this lack of like work-life balance and Mm -hmm. like understanding of like keeping your body healthy because japan is a very healthy country as a whole yes but like inside everyone could be so much happier you know right like do you yeah. feel like there's wait what did you said in like imbalance do you mean in between like the body and the mind that and also like whenever we think of like healthy we think of like vegetables exercise like keeping your body healthy you mm-hmm. know like japan is so good about that but like yeah like mind, body, spirit, like, let's work on that as well. Right, and I think that's something that it can be, um, because, you know, in this sort of, you know, spiritual sort of sense, there's, like you said, mind, body, spirit, and the first two, for me personally, I would categorize those as the ego or the avatar, which is, that's not who we are, but that's where, you know, what we're inhabiting, that's what allows us to live throughout our human experience, And it's important to take care of, I mean, this is going to sound so stupid, but it's important to take care of your avatar because if not, like then you can't make the change and make those connections and those relationships on earth that you're meant to make here, that you're meant to make throughout your human experience ultimately. And any change is okay. Like it's not too late to change. It's not too early to change because like, if you look at it from a scientific standpoint, like neuroplasticity, like our brains are always- You stole the word out of my mouth. (laughs) Just about to say neuroplasticity. 
our brains are constantly, constantly changing. And there's so much research that's funded right now about how like there's like regeneration and like neuroplasticity and how mm -hmm. our brains adapt to change and how if we haven't been taking care of our brains in the past, like our brains change so we can make that a better future. You know what I mean? Like, right. Our, like we're always developing. And I think that's another thing I realized like post high school was that I don't know why I thought like my life starts now and this is how my life is going to start and everything. And, and it did, mm -hmm. but our lives are so like malleable, I think. Yeah. And I think it's so important to like, instead of trying to like, Oh, I just need to become an adult. I need to do this for my adult self. Like, yeah, we do. I think we, we tend to have a very, um, or maybe not we, I mean, I'm, I don't want to generalize what I've been, I feel like has been drilled into me, but you hear a lot of the times like, oh, your life doesn't have to be linear like that. You know, like it doesn't, you don't have to take a linear path. And you hear all these stories of like, oh, well, when I was in college, I got, um, like I got, um, I had like a 2.1 or whatever it is. And then they talk about this and, and I'm like, oh yeah, like our lives don't have to be linear. Our lives like can take a, a more like circular path or whatever. But really when I look at the way that I do things, I'm like, you don't behave like you believe that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know if that makes any sense at all or if that's what you were talking about, but yeah. Yeah, I wanna, I know we both do this and I'm gonna bring it up because I, I didn't have a name for it until recently, but I think me and you, and I like that we do this. I think we do a really good job at romanticizing our lives. And I think we do that in a sense that it's like, I romanticize my own life and you romanticize your own mm -hmm. life. And my, my experience is like me taking myself to the lake and like reading and oh, journaling, yes. little things like that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what this has. To, oh, I guess I'm talking about like how our lives like, I don't know. I just feel like we just have so much power and control of our lives and our own experiences with ourselves. And I, like, you are the king of romanticizing your life. Like, you can just, oh my gosh, you and your little apartment in Austin with those lights. Oh you, my. Yeah. I feel like you have such a good relationship with yourself. Oh, thank, that, that means a lot to me because sometimes it doesn't feel that way. And I mean, everyone has those moments where it doesn't feel that way. And I, okay, I agree with you, but I want to add something to okay. that. It's good to, qual to, it's good to romanticize the good parts of your life. Yes. Um, yes. Really yes. Because yes. in a way, like, the for me, the way that I see it, instead of as romanticizing, is I feel like what you and I both do is we're able to find the magic in dating. Yes. Yes. And instead of, you know, it's like, oh, like, this is such a magical moment. It's something, you know, when you sent me that picture of you're at the lake with your book and you had that perfectly manicured, yeah. I was like, oh, like, this is truly a moment of magic for her. Yeah. Even, even if it's simple, just because it's simple doesn't mean it has to be mundane. Yes. And like, we can derive so much happiness from that, you know, and what I don't know. I just, I really wish not that I feel enlightened or anything, but I wish other people had this revelation where it's like, it's the simplest little thing, but it's so important to find little tiny, like little bits of like magic in your life. Yeah. And you One know, thousand percent. And no, and I totally get that. And that's something that especially being in quarantine has become harder for me just because, I mean, I really, girl, I have not left the house, like, which is, <laughs> you know, I have left, like I've gone out, I've, you know, 
gone through my drive. I've been quarantining basically, haven't really seen people. And it does make it a little bit harder, but I can't imagine if I wasn't already in that practice of saying this, like at any moment in a way, which it's easier for me to do this, I feel like because I've had certain um, transcendent experiences. And um, I feel like I'm able to turn on that sort of part of myself that says, what you are doing right now is sacred because you are living or you are. I think so many instances are like sacred experiences or wonderful, beautiful experiences. Right. And in a way, like a lot of the way that we live our lives is, um, or the way that we've been conditioned to think is to turn that off or to ignore it. And even something as like, some I remember like there was this one week when I was a freshman that I remember I woke up every day and I felt like I was that girl on the videos that she's like works at Chick-fil-A you, you know the girl that's like the birds are shining and the and the then the light is streaming through the trees and everyone gave her shit for that which is kind of sad yeah. because like she was happy and in a way we do not demonize, but we do kind of shit on people that are happy like that. Absolutely. I think, I don't know, I'm trying to think about my day-to-day life, and I mean, there are obviously moments where there is the mundane, and I'm living through the mundane, but also I feel like I've tried to maximize the amount of, like, like, the amount of pleasure I derive from the most, like, mundane experience. Right, like, you you find the divine within the mundane, is that what you're going toward yes. <laughs> oh my gosh yeah I, I, I wonder if this is also because I'm thinking about how I remember you showed me the book about was it running running with werewolves or oh women who, who run with the wolves yes yes, 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 yes. Um, and I remember you were telling me about your feminine oh yeah or like your feminine what did you call it the divine feminine I think it was like you were telling me how you had like a feminine subconscious or like you were able to think in that way Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if that is like part of that like Mm -hmm. I don't know if it is like that is something I applaud for you to be able to like find the divine within mundane experiences because like I don't know when I think of like the everyday person like the everyday guy like they're not gonna live it's always uh, a guy it's always a guy it's it's always fucking guy it's always a guy but here I am always with them (laughs) dude literally can we talk about how I love to act so like powerful but honestly it's not very feminist of me to be in a relationship right now like I don't think that's true I no 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 I think no first of all like just to close the like to turn on that last topic I do think that we all carry divinity within us and I think that some of it is masculine and some of it is feminine we all have some of that energy within us and I just think for being a male like I'm like in terms of gender like yes I identify as a guy but I do have a feminine mind more of a feminine mind in that way but but also I think that when you because I, I don't think it's I mean, that's like saying it's anti-feminist to men, which, true, I'm kidding. But um, there, you also, what I realized that you, in the role that you've taken in a lot of your relationships is you help others grow. 
Yeah. And I, I remember to say this. I, I remember this was a big thing with us. Yes. Yes. You sort of, you do, and I, you do do this. You do bring out that sort of better side of people and you, you do shine your light on them. Thank you. I feel like I, I really try and garner a place of nurturing, you know, I want, I want to be a place of nurturing and love and warmth and sometimes that does take a toll on me and I have to hold other people accountable for their actions but right and I think you know that nurturing and that warmth and that growth that's the feminine but you are also very good at and this is something that I really admire about you because I feel like if I did this I would be able to give so much more in my relationships is Mm -hmm. you are able to put a boundary and you're able to say, like, you're able, you don't give everything that you have to the point where you're pouring from an empty cup into an empty cup. Mm-hmm. You know? I try and that was something I really had to work on because I've had that boundary kind of like caved in on a little bit. And like, it is uncomfortable to tell someone you care about that you want this or you want something to change, but it's like, for longevity purposes like you need to put that in place and depending on how that person reacts like that's really telling yeah and I feel like a lot of people our age and I know you can relate to this like a lot of our friends they will come to you about relationship problems tell me about it you'll try and tell them and then they won't listen and they will completely like, they'll be like, I want this to change in my relationship. And you'll be like, well, maybe you should try doing this, setting this boundary. What do they do? Exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, and I feel, and, and again, I feel like you'll be able to relate to this as well in that role. Have you ever heard of, or have I ever told you of um, the Greek, uh, like per, like a myth of Cassandra? Mm-mm. So basically, Cassandra was a prophet, I think in like Trojan War, and she was cursed by Apollo that she would give these prophecies, but no one would believe her, and they would always come true. But for everyone listening that's not getting the audio, the look of <laughs> the glare that Jess just gave me is was gorgeous. But a lot of the times I do feel like that happens to me and I feel like it happens to you as well where you read the writing on the wall and you even do this that's what I you know see in you is in your own relationships you read the writing on the wall so then when you arrive at that point it's you can't be like oh I didn't know this was coming Mm -hmm. you know if if you you know you always know what you're getting yourself into in a certain way Um, and that's what I feel like a lot of people don't or they do see what they're getting themselves into and they're like oh well we're gonna sweep this under the rug and we're gonna ignore it and that is what I mean when I say that people like to be in pain like they they it on a certain level it is a conscious decision to ignore the red flags right and without giving names I have someone in my life right now who is in a situation and they complain about it and Mm. they do nothing to change it yeah and they have all the tools in their toolbox and they have all the resources as well in their toolbox and they also have a really important tool support and they have so many people support and they just don't want to do it whether it be because they're comfortable in the situation or because they like the attention they get from complaining about the situation or get out of my head 
I don't know. Like, I just, I, I feel, but then like on the receiving end, I feel like me and you have done our fair share of like being people's verbal punching bag. <laughs> oh, bro, no? you leave my mind right I feel now. like lifting you from my brain. <laughs> I just, I remember I spent so much time in my past, like being other people's verbal punching bags. And it's like, at some point, like you got to fix these situations, you know? Yeah. And it really does. Yeah. Like it's funny because these people, you know, cause I mean, I don't necessarily think anyone in my life right now is going, like, I don't yeah, think I can't even like, my just life people right now, it's, but people in general or people in my past, they've been in that spot. And it's like, this is so unlike you. This isn't who you are. Like you're making an exception for this person. And they're in a way it's like the person that they're dealing with or the situation that they're going through. It's like a weakness to them. Like they, it found some chink in their armor that it's like, if you usually don't respond this way to this sort of circumstance, does that mean, I know it's kind of in vague terms, but it's like, Right. So unlike you to have all the tools at your disposal, everything that you need to succeed, and then just lie there and take it. Right. I think I think whenever you have that conversation with me about how there are some people that are okay with being in pain, and yeah. I think that was really eye-opening because I start to like look at other people and I realize like, you know, maybe they don't necessarily like it, like per the definition of like liking what pain is, but right. like they're most uh, like they're comfortable with it. And yeah, or even if they, because of course it, to us, it looks that way because of the actions that they take or don't take. But if we put ourselves in that position, I'm sure that we're in some way perpetuating our own pain as well. You know what I mean? But the second that you sort of take that step outside of ego, outside of that perspective, and you're like, oh, this is what I'm doing. I'm really contributing to a cycle of pain. I'm not breaking that cycle by not learning that lesson. The second that you have that realization is the second that it changes, you know? And that's why sometimes it can literally feel like you're grabbing someone by the shoulders and rattling them back and forth and saying, wake up, wake up. Aren't you seeing what I'm seeing? Right. And at the end of the day, that's why I think what you said is very important. It's important to have that support system because mm -hmm. I don't, you know, humans are very social creatures and I don't think that we're necessarily meant to go through all of it alone. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. But also solitude is important. That's true. Bring that all the way back. Yeah. Something that it said in that book that I think you would definitely agree with is solitude is a furnace for growth. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, like, once, no, you go, you go. What I'm thinking right now is like, if I can establish this relationship with myself and make sure that I'm good, then thus whenever I have opportunities to present myself with other people and live my life with other people, then I'm going to be like such a good, like, you know, that typical thing where it's like, you need to make yourself good for like the other person, like not even that, but like for life with other people, like yes. you need to start here. Right. You, you get to have the privilege of being able to enjoy life with other people. You know? Go off. Go off. Something on the record, like yes. now that we're recording. Mm -hmm. um, can we talk about how I have COVID? Yes. We that's very like, very time sensitive in this yeah. Like look back on. Yeah, of course. I was um, diagnosed with Corona. Is it diagnosed? I tested positive. Yeah, I think that's a. Yeah, yeah, it's a, di yeah, it's a diagnostic test that you. So 
positive for coronavirus. Yeah, and um, you know, for any listeners, what, what message do you want to share given this? Um, I did not experience this typical symptoms and I thought that I didn't have it. Mm. And turns out I did, but I experienced, I, I just keep telling everyone, like, if you think you have it, so many people, there's so much dialogue about like, and so much rhetoric about, you know, I think I already had it. Um, like, oh, I heard this happens or like, I'll never get it kind of thing. Yeah. You know, there's so much of that going on. Um, but I keep telling people, you will know when you have it. Yeah. <laughs> like it is so real. And you also like, you can't be too careful. Like you do need to be wearing your mask. Thank you for saying that. Um, you can't be too careful because I do, this is, I'm not trying to crucify myself here. That's the last thing I'm trying to do, but I do feel like people that haven't maybe been, um, you know, like quarantining or whatever, kind of give me crap for still doing it. And I'm like, you know what? Everyone has their own, everyone, you know, I'm not going to say, I think that people should be quarantining, but if you're not, there's a million reasons why you know, people need to go to work, there's, um, you know, emergencies that need to be taken care of, and things like this and that. At the end of the day, globally, as a global conscious, it's a trauma. Absolutely. The virus has been a trauma, the pandemic has been a trauma, and if there's anything that we know as humans, it's that people respond to trauma in different ways. So if that for me is being overly cautious and waiting until it's been three Mm -hmm. years since the pandemic hit for me to step outside of my house, yeah that's all I really have to say (laughs) yeah I keep telling people like if you have the choice like if you have the privilege of having the choice of going out if you have the privilege of having the choice of doing certain things like take responsibility for your actions you know I know I haven't been conscious like I did go out to like this summer concert kind of thing at this bar and like even my coworkers who were all in emergency medicine and like you know, like we weren't the most cautious, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's so easy to get caught up in Texas reopening, you know, um, but I I mean, the government, like, okay, this is going to sound sort of like conspiracy theorist of me, but the government is, is kind of trying to encourage that. And I think that that responsibility really should fall on the government, you know? Yeah. And then Greg Abbott is over here saying like, oh, like, what's, what's, you know, why are cases spiking? Oh, well, because of Black Lives Matter protests. Well, you know, maybe it's because you decided to reopen the economy. Absolutely. And I think, like, now is the time to start making that change. Like, other, like, if you're going to go out, then, like, make that change you need to make and start wearing your mask. Because there's so many articles out there that say, if you wear a mask and start using hand sanitizer, for example, if you go in the grocery store, you can limit your spread, you know? And, like, it's so... It's not even about whether... Because for me, I mean, I know it's kind of selfish in this way, but I'm whenever I go out and I do all those precautions, the first thing on my list of why I'm doing it is because I don't want to get it. Absolutely. But a, a, like what comes with that is I'm limiting, like you said, limiting my spread. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of, I mean, honestly, the human race, but I know America has a much bigger problem with it than other countries Mm -hmm. and cultures do, is that we are very selfish. Mm. And the best example of that is the reopening of everything. And it's like, you have to think of that. so fast. Like, like, well, I I do know that 
we're in, well, I think I'm in Brazos County, but um, in Brazos County, they've officially determined like we're in the second wave getting hit because on the day I tested positive, there was 145 other positive tests. 145? Like, yeah, it's, I don't know. personally, I'm looking at it as where we are in terms of school. Personally, I, I really want school to be all online, not only for health reasons, but also for my own academic success. Cause I personally, I did a lot better oh. last semester online yeah. than being in school. So I really hope that it goes online because it's like, these schools are very profit driven. Mm-hmm. And it comes down to a point of they're deciding whether to profit or whether to endanger students lives mm-hmm. you know and that's that's why I think that money is evil and why um I think that it is easier for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God but that's my um, own yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking of I'm thinking of how stupid these schools sound whenever they are so focused on football season oh like, how are you going to fill an entire stadium? I don't know if anyone knows this, but, okay, I go to A&M, mm-hmm. and Cow Field can fit the entire population of College Station and some of Bryan, Texas, into Cow Field. They pride themselves on filling that stadium every season and, like, having a crazy student section, but we're literally, like, like this. Like, we are yeah. so... Yeah, so, so packed like sardines, and... At the, in a certain way, it's like, it, yeah, if you are packing a stadium full of people in the middle of a pandemic, uh, I don't know if this is wrong of me to say, because it does sound a little bit like victim blaming, but you are kind of asking for it. Yeah. I was talking to one of my coworkers, um, and he's a paramedic at AM EMS, and he was just saying, like, you know, I sound stupid that I'm still staying home. Like, everyone thinks I'm stupid, but I studied infectious diseases, and, like, I'm not going to step out, you know, and yeah. spread or, like, get this for me. And, you know, valid points. Valid yeah. Points. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, for example, you, I know you took precautions, you know what I mean? Like, and, and you, whenever you were responsible, whenever you saw symptoms, you immediately emailed yeah. your supervisor. And that is, I applaud you for that because a lot of people would not have that same discipline in a way. Um, and you, yeah, you probably, like you in doing that limited the spread, you know yeah. what I mean? So. Me testing positive. I was telling Frank earlier how um, as I'm like texting people that I might have had contact with, I feel like this infectious, dirty little person because everyone's like, ooh, should I get tested now? But No, you're not uh, dirty. Just infectious, but not dirty. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my discussion with Jess about youth and the current state of the world and solitude and all of these little things, you know, a little bit of everything for you today. And yeah, I had such a good time talking to her and catching up with her and having a, you know, just in general, a grand old time. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I don't really have that much else to say about this one, except again, with everything that's going on, please be sure to stay safe and take the necessary precautions, stay inside, only go out if you have to. But That being said, I hope you have a great morning, afternoon, or night, and I'm sending you all my kisses and love.